Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Hey, I'm reading from Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. And it says, Now Peter and John went up from there to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and that's around 3 p.m. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asking for alms, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking around and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And over the next few minutes, I want to speak to you from this idea. Stick to your story. Stick to your story. Would you pray? Father, I love you. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, Lord. As we've seen, even in Acts chapter 4, Lord, immediately after Peter has gotten arrested for this story that we're going to tell, that there was a moment, Lord, that they began to pray, Lord, and the Bible says, Lord, that the place shook and that they were filled with boldness and began to preach the gospel. Father, I pray that that would happen today. Lord, I trust you, and I know, Lord, that you communicate in ways that I can, Lord. You speak to those that are still trying to figure out if they even believe in you. You speak, Lord God, to those, Lord God, that have taken the step but are still trying to figure out how to become mature Christians, Lord. You speak to the mature Christians wherever we are on the journey, even those of them that don't even believe in you. Father, you have a way of me saying one word and them hearing it individually. And Father, I pray that you would do that today. Let us take this word, Lord. Let us apply ourselves where we need to step into the shoes of the individual. Let us pull back and see, Father, the work that you have for us, Lord. Father, we love you and we thank you. We say yes to your assignment, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray, Lord God. Amen and amen. Come on, if you're expecting for God to give you a word, would you put your hands together in this place? Oh, come on, if you're believing for God to do something in this place, would you set the atmosphere of faith in this place? Amen? Stick to your story. Uh, For those of you that have kids, Kids are interesting because they teach you levels of what God, and I think the way that that God, um, the way we do good with kids is the way that God looks at us. All the time as parents, we don't, you know, we don't, we don't do everything the right way. But what happens is that I love my children. My children are, they're, they're interesting individuals. And I love Ramses who's back there serving and Levi running around here with a phone now. And they're sitting there taking pictures and Abby's probably tearing up G-Kids and (laughs) My kids are growing up in church and my kids understand church and what I'm trying to teach them on a daily basis is not to live a life of selfishness where it's all about them. Why? Because when they were little and Abby may or may not possess this quality still, but I remember when they were little, my wife and parents, you know, you can attest to this. My wife would go and she would buy groceries. 
And you know, as a man, especially in your household, whenever the wife brought groceries, this is where you showed off. You know what I mean? It's like single people at church when they start to stack the chairs and they try to grab every chair so that the girl, hey, good morning, God bless you, bless the lamb. And you try to show off by the way you stack chairs. Well, with the wives, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'll grab it. eight grocery bags on one side, eight on the other side. I'll make sure that my little bicep, my little tricep is showing a little bit. I said, babe, you know which way is the beach? It's that way. It's that way. And it's funny because then we shift and we're trying to teach our kids how to be, you know, responsible. So we tell them, hey, can you go get the groceries? Now they're a lot better. This was before, Ramses. I'm making fun of you when you were little. But, but now they, they grab all of them. But before, I used to tell them to go grab the groceries. And you know what they would do? My kids would go up to the back of the car, as your kids do as well, and they would look through the bags to see what they want. Well, like the cereal. And they would grab the cereal bag. Sometimes, Abigail would even grab the Oreo cookies. We don't do Oreo cookies no more. But she would grab the Oreo cookies and walk in. And I'm like, yo, I asked you to grab the bags. But it's like, whatever interests me is what I'm going to grab. And now they're doing a lot better because they grab stuff. But what I want to show you is that that's our human heart sometimes. I can show it to you and I can prove it to you. When you take a group picture, what's the first face you look for? <laughs> you take a group picture, you're like, oh, oh my God, no. Let me suck my stomach and do it again. Do it again. Do it again. I got to turn. Delete that tongue. Let me turn sideways. Get my good side. My, my heart with this message is the last Sunday I preached the message. It was pretty big. And the idea of it was for you to understand what's inside of you. Man, for the last few weeks, we've been talking about the mission or the vision of Greater Church and how this is the vision that God has given us where he wants you to know him. He wants you to find freedom. He wants you to close the door on your yesterday forevermore. He wants you to discover what you were created for. He wants you to understand your design so that you can understand your destiny. And then he wants you to make a difference. Get active and start doing stuff. What can happen, though, is that week after week, you can hear messages that continue to speak about you. And what can, you can be easily confused in a moment is to think that this thing called Christianity, it's all about you. It's all about what God can do in my life. And what will happen is the church will turn into a horoscope. And we'll walk in here and it's all about the songs that I want to hear. And it's all about the way that I want to worship. And turn the lights up. Turn the lights down. Let the lights move. Don't move the lights. And it becomes a preference, not a purpose. And what will happen though, and I'm trying to speak to some of y'all. Hey, if you're a guest here, we love you. This is dad talking to the house for a little bit, but I'll get to you in a second. But we come to this place not because we want to just indulge in the presence of God. It's because we want to be filled to be spilled. Because there is a mission and a mandate and assignment that we carry. And if I am not careful, especially me who I am teaching from this platform, I can easily give you a message like last Sunday that talks about how God built you. The intricate ways and the things that he put inside of you and how much there is inside of you to the point that it actually spills and other people can tap into your strength. That when you speak to somebody who is broken and hurting, somebody who doesn't have it figured out, a, a kid who stepped into your job site, somebody who went into your classroom, somebody who came to your house, that they are broken, hurting, depressed. And when you speak to them, something happens that they're like, man, thank you. I, I'm glad I called you. I'm glad I spoke to you because what you did was that you took something from inside of you and you placed it inside of them. What can happen, though, and I don't want it to, and I want to be careful, is that you begin to think and you keep looking inwardly. This is the world we live in right now. Everything is about looking at what happened to me, what, has, what is going on with me, my brokenness. 
how, how depressed I am, how much social issues I have, how much mess I am, and I, and if you go to Barnes and Noble, there's tons of books about self-help, but the kingdom of God is one that has been always about the kingdom mentality, one that has always looked at others, one that Jesus himself, he didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. Big message, I know, I'll get the amens and stuff next week, but it's a, it, it's a, it's a kingdom mentality that we have, that we stop looking at ourselves for a minute, and we're able to look at, this is where we're shifting. As a church, we've never been one that just looks at us. We've always been a church. The pandemic has messed it up a little bit, but we've always been a church that has looked outside. The reason why we've built relationships, the reason why right over here where Jasmine was sitting, the mayor and the chief of police and everybody was sitting there, the reason that happens is because of the relationships that we built because we pick up paper, but at the same time, we're the ones that they call when a kid got into a gang fight at a school and they know they need somebody to be able to speak to them. This is what this message, this church is all about. It's, it's kingdom mentality. It's moving forward. It's stop being inward focused and lifting our gaze to look forward. This is where we pick up the story in Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, I want to give you kind of a preface of what this looks like. Jesus, I mean the guy who preached, the guy who laid hands on the sick and people recovered, the guy who spoke to demons and immediately they came out of them, the guy who did all of these beautiful things, he has been killed. They think to themselves, he was murdered. Jesus has come back three days later. He has walked for 50 days with them, giving them marching orders, instructions. He's told them, I want you to wait in the upper room, and I'm going to give you the promise of the Father. It's going to be the comforter, the Holy Spirit. He's going to come. He's going to empower you, and then you will be my witnesses to Judea, Samaria, to Jerusalem, and to the ends of the earth. He created this marching order, and he told them, I want you to go and wait. The Bible says 120 of them were in an upper room when all of a sudden the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that it came in like a rushing wind and then they were divided or clothing tongues that were laying upon each of them as fire and they began to speak in other languages. The people who were watching downstairs or watching or listening to this thing happen, this is a moment like uh, Mardi Gras. Uh, this was Passover for the, for, the, for the Jews, meaning that people were there from all over the place. At Pentecost, I'm sorry. People were there from all over the world to celebrate Pentecost on that day. So meaning that there were so many different nature, countries and nationalities, so many different tongues. And they were listening to these people in their own words and in their own language. And they began to tell Peter, yo, Peter, you, these people are drunk. They sit there and Peter said, no. Nah. And for the first time... Jesus, who was always the person that was preaching, now all of a sudden it was Peter that stood up and he preached and he said, I know you think that these people are drunk, but they're not. What's happening here is the promise and he begins to speak about the Jesus that they killed. And then he begins to preach such a message. Jesus was the only one that would preach. All of a sudden Peter steps in because he's looking outwardly. And Peter begins to preach, and the Bible says over 3,000 people get saved. They were cut to their heart, and they said, what do we have to do to receive this salvation? And 3,000 people were saved on that moment. We pick up the story in Acts chapter 3. I mean, a spiritual high. We feel good. It's exciting. Tons of people. Jesus is gone, but he's still moving inside of them. I feel him. I sense him speaking to me. He's living inside of me all of a sudden. Acts chapter 3, the Bible says that Peter and John, they were not starting their LLC. They didn't go buy, you know, 10,000 pieces of cloth so that they can sell for $7.99. They didn't start their 501c3. They didn't open up a website, you know, Peter Ministries International, because there were so many different countries that were represented. No, what they did, the first thing that they did is that they went back to the church. 
the Bible says that at the hour of 3 p.m., the ninth hour, they went back to the church because that's where they understood this is where we receive our power. This is where we communicate. This is where we fellowship. This is where we get filled up to be spilled out. And the Bible says that when they walk, now I want you to understand. So think of like, think about this, but like 20 times bigger. So think just a big old box. Around the whole box, there's these huge columns. They're about 20 feet tall, and they're probably about four feet in diameter. I mean, huge columns where everybody would hang out inside of the column, especially so the sun won't hit them. But in the middle, there was a temple. And inside of the temple, when you first walk up, there's a gate that you go into the walls. And then when you first walk in, there was a gate right there, right before you go to the church. And when you open up the doors, you go through the gate, and it was a huge gate. It wasn't like a little door. But they walked through those doors. Right outside of that gate, the Bible says that there was a lame man who was lame since birth that was sitting there. Peter and John, they're on their way to go to church to go pray. And all of a sudden, this man is sitting on the side of the church, lame from birth. I want you to see three things. One, he was lame from birth. I want you to remember that. Meaning that inside of his mother's womb, he didn't kick. There was no feeling of the child being there. This child was lame since birth. When he was born, he was lame. Lame means that you have no motor functions, that you can't use your legs, you can't walk, you can't run, you can't do everything that every other kid does, meaning that he was marginalized. His beginning thoughts were, I'm different and I'm less than. And this man is sitting on the side of the road. Now the Bible says that every single day, his friends would bring him to the side of the church, to the door of the church. Every single day, daily, they would bring him to the church. Daily, for Lord knows how long, but to the point that everybody knew who he was. I want you to see something. In Acts chapter 3, find this verse real quick. I'm sorry, Acts chapter 4, verse 22. It's going to come up on the screen. It says, for the man, speaking of him, this is an, an, a chapter later, but I want you to see something, was over 40 years old on whom the miracle of healing had been performed. This man was 40 years old. And was constantly being brought to the city gates or to the temple gates to ask for money. There are people in your life that they're benefiting from your pain. They profit from your pain. Meaning, yo, they don't want you to get another job. They don't want you to quit and start something. They don't want you to prosper in life because they're actually benefiting from keeping you down. They will bring you to the doors of the church, but they'll never bring you into true freedom because they benefit from it. These are the type of people that when you ask them, yo, should I start this new business? I don't know, man. You you know you're not really built for that those are the type of people that when you tell them yo i'm thinking about like starting this relationship with this girl what do you think they wanted her or they wanted something close to i don't know man honestly like look at her bro her pants are too tight i don't know if you should do it these are the type of people that when you bring ideas or dreams to you they automatically shut them down in just a split second these are the people that are benefiting from keeping you down these are people that will bring you to the very gates but they'll leave you right there because in and of themselves, they're insufficient or they feel like they're less than and they're never going to allow for you to prosper. They're going to always try to keep you down because they understand that the moment that you walk into another season of life, they're going to go down or they think that they're going to go down. And there are people in your life that are holding you just like that. I know it's not a popular message, but it's true. Such a heavy message, man. So, you know, let's sing songs again. Can we sing again? Because it's like, bro, up here preaching and making me feel all like, <laughs> I know who that is. That's my mom. Stop. Stop. Ah, man, why are you at that church so much? Why are you going to G groups on Wednesday? Why are you taking this Jesus thing to say you changed? Man, I remember, for some of you, you know my story, some of you don't. I, I was a broken gang member my entire life. 
I went to prison when I was 19 years old for five years. My life was a disaster, but I met Jesus when I was 19. While I was in prison, I began to preach the gospel. I started to lead people in prison to Jesus. It wasn't jailhouse religion for me. When I got out of prison at the age of 24, I went right into a church. And right out of that church, I met this little bad thing here in the front. We got married, and we continued to do ministry. I would go back. My dream was to go back to jail to preach. I haven't left Jesus since that moment. But I remember when I first got out of prison, my mom, which I love to death, she's gotten saved. She knows the Lord. She knew the Lord, and she's with the Lord now. But, yo, my friends would call me and say, Chino, you changed. I sent you two or three letters while you were in there for five years, and, you know, you don't act like we didn't have a relationship. <laughs> and, and people said, you, you changed. Because they wanted, the Bible says, don't be confused when they get mad at you because you don't roll in the same cloud of dissipation as they do. You have to be careful because that's what people want to do. They just want to keep you down. But not only do people want to keep you down, I can't blame it on people who don't know Jesus or people maybe they know Jesus. Maybe it's a church or a pastor that doesn't want to give you any type of leeway or allow for you to do something because you were in the church and you had a big vision and you started to do something and it blew up. And then the pastor was like, no, we got to shut this thing down. So please understand it's not just people outside of the church. It's people in church, people who hold microphones like I did, people who have led in church that have marginalized you because they didn't want you to shine too much. But, but I want to show you something because it happens outside, but it also happens in church. Why was that man for so long to the point that people knew lame outside of the church walls? Why wasn't there a moment that somebody walked around and said, yo, hold on one second. You are lame, but I've seen Jesus do some incredible things. I want to speak to that. And why don't I lift you up from the place that you're in? Why did it have to come to Peter and John? How many times does the church pass by people who are broken, hurting, trailer parks that are right down the street? And we just look at people. We drive and we pull up to the stop sign and the guy's asking you for money. Whether you give the money or you don't give the money, would you give them Jesus? Would you not just pass by people when they walk into the church doors? Every single day we got an opportunity to see lame and broken people that are hurting, that are so broken, so far from God. And sometimes I feel like we, amen, I got to get to church. I got to get to work. I got to go sit on my couch to watch the next episode of Power. I got to make sure that I... I, I got to make sure I got my life is so centered and so self-centered. I'm so focused on me. I'm looking at myself so much, my business and my wife and my kids and everything that's going on that I can't, I can't help you right now. Why did the church not step out and help or bring that person in? And why was the church giving him temporary when they had the eternal? Because I don't go to a well if I go to a certain store, I like a juice or something. If I go to that store because I like a certain juice, if every time that I go to that store, they don't have the juice anymore, I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm not going to go there anymore. If I need water in my own personal life, I'm not going to go to a well that's dry. Meaning, for that man to be there daily and daily and daily, that means that he was priming the pump, and every time he primed the pump, somebody gave him money. They kept giving him the temporary, because if I go to a place and I'm not receiving what I'm looking for, I'm going to move to the next spot. But the Bible says that this man was there, meaning that the church must have been just throwing him a couple quarters and keep it moving. You know, I just show up to church. I pay my tithes. Pay your tithes, please. <laughs> but I just, this is the life that I live. And I don't have to worry about these people. I love people. 
And my desire and my hope is that I will build some Peters and build some Johns out of this thing. That you would listen to this message and not feel heavy like, oh my God, I'm such a failure. I don't love people. I hate people. I hope they all go to hell. No, no. My hope and my desire is that you would look at yourself. And I'm going to give you some practical handles because the Bible says that Peter and John, they were walking to the church. And all of a sudden, this man turns to them and says, hey, can you give me some money? He was begging alms. He was asking for money. And Peter and John turned to him. And the Bible says something that I thought was really, really cool. The Bible says that they looked intently at him. Intently at him. Ad kendiso. Ad kendiso. That's the Greek word for looking intently. That word means when you, y'all remember like National Geographic's, when you see like the, the lion is like slowly, he's like, I mean, totally focused. Just looking, like I'm looking at Gary right now with his cowboy hat. And I'm just like, slowly just seeing. You ever seen that? You ever had an animal like a spider or a snake that you throw? Some of y'all going to call Peter on me. But you, you, you sit there and you, you watch and it's just like a slow gaze. What, what would it look like if the church was like that? What if our next door neighbor wasn't annoying, but it was a mission field for you? What if your job isn't something that's keeping you away from ministry, but what if your job was actually ministry? What, what if you intently started looking at people and started to say, yo, what happens is this. When you, that, that word, at Keniso, what it means is that when I look at something, I'm intently looking at it. And if I'm intently looking at it, I can see things. What happens is this. You start looking at somebody, right? So like, let's say you're at your job and there's a coworker that's next to you. And every single, you just, okay, cool. I, yeah, all right, God bless you. Hey, good morning. Hey, how you doing? But what if all of a sudden you just shifted your eyes and you at Keniso, you, you actually look at them and you intently, hey, what's your story? I, I'm, how are you doing? What happens is this. You begin to get into a flow. I, I promise you it's happened a million times in my life. There are times even when I was a baby Christian that I didn't even know, know the Lord. That I they didn't even know much of the Lord. That I would look at people intently. I would gaze at them. And all of a sudden while I'm speaking to them, God would bring up scriptures that I read like a week ago. I don't even know what in the Bible. This is, my, this is my version. In the Bible it says, and I would say things, probably butchered the scripture, but I would say things to these people and I, God would, because I would add Genizo, I would look at them. I would stare at them and all of a sudden now I'll get into a flow where now I'm not just looking at them but God is starting to reveal things and tell me things and now I'm speaking to them and I'm bringing life to them. I'm actually pouring into them because all of a sudden now I'm looking at them. When you see things, it starts to reveal things. Can I tell you that if you look intently at somebody, it'll start revealing things about you. If you look at me intently, you're going to see mess ups. You're going to see failures. I'm a broken individual. If you look good enough, you're going to see that I mess up. I'm not perfect just because I'm holding the microphone longer than anybody else at church. I'm still trying to figure it out the same way you are. But what happens is that when you begin to look at somebody too much, you begin to see things all of a sudden. Here's where the Bible says that Peter and John, they look at him. And intently they look and they, they say, I want you to look up. And I think this is a tool that us as believers that we can use, especially in the kingdom. That we would take our eyes off of ourselves and that we would look up. That's one thing. But that we would tell people to look up because everybody's so broken right now. Yo, can I tell you that we are, I feel like there is a level, and, and they're going to write books about this and they probably already have. Send me a book if you know it. But this, this COVID-19, this coronavirus, this pandemic, y'all remember that? It was a thing. That, that thing has created so much PTSD in people. That people now are so fearful and broken that now the media says, yo, there's killer bees. Oh, my God, we're dying. 
That's it, everybody. We're all we're all gone. And people have created, have hung on to this fear or for or to fear so strongly that everything that moves scares them now. That PTSD is so real in people's lives. They're so broken, so far away from God that they've gotten to a place that even church and all of my friends who are watching online, we love you. And I know you're not filled with fear. You're just, you know, on vacation or you're sitting home. You got church late and you're like, oh, let me just watch online. But, but it's created this thing inside of us where, yo, evangelism, sharing your faith is something that you're just like, oh, I don't know about that missions trip. Like watching Jasmine go to Nicaragua and take a bunch of young kids that are in a village that are broken, hurting, that are dirty, haven't taken a shower, but feeding them, cleaning them, giving them food. That's a no-no for some people. They're like, yo, I can't get around people no more. Wake up. Wake up. It's over. I, I don't know if it's over, but it's over. Like, I believe in a God that in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, he says that I could take up snakes and scorpions and that my foot is on top of the enemy, that anywhere where I step is a place that God has given me because I believe that it's not me, it's him living inside of me. But if I'm going to walk in fear, it's going to break me every single time. So what will happen, though? is that if we actually take our eyes from ourselves for just a moment and stop looking interiorly, stop looking at us and how scared we are, and we actually put our minds on God and we focus at Kenizo, at people, all of a sudden now we can call them to look up. Because everybody's looking down. Everybody's looking at what's going to happen in November with the elections. Everybody's looking at what's going to happen after this and what's going to happen there. And oh my God, this is happening. And what does Fauci say? Did he quit? Did he not quit? What is happening? And yo, please understand me. I am not that. I'm not. Listen, man, you can't tell me anything. <laughs> Don't ever marginalize me or put me in a political party. I'm a kingdom believer. I believe that a child is important and should be raised. A child should be born, that it shouldn't be aborted. But I also believe that if a 16-year-old girl has that baby, let's give her the money to help her. Let's give her the medical needs. Let's help her. I'm in the middle. I don't need to be in any side. I'm a kingdom believer. I'm a man that believes after the kingdom of God. So I'm going to fight for what's right. I'm going to fight for the kingdom of God. So don't put me in the, oh, wear mask, don't wear mask vaccine. But get out of here with that crap. I love you. God bless you. Do what you want to do. I'll wear a mask if you want me to. I, I'm probably not going to do vaccine because I had COVID three times, so it doesn't make sense. But, but if you have it, God bless you. I'm mad at you because you get to go on a cruise and I don't. But, but don't, don't put me in the middle of that. But what I'm trying to show you is that people are so stuck looking down at what everything. They, this is the looking down that they're doing. Oh, my God. Oh, we're, this is bad. Oh, they're saying another strand. Oh, gee, oh, I need to buy a scooter. You know what? I, I probably look good in a scooter. Oh, my God. I can't believe that she got that outfit. Oh, it looked kind of nice, though. Oh, oh, they went on vacation. Babe, we got to go on vacation. I'm going to wear something nice tonight because I got to talk to you. Why y'all, women, y'all laugh too much at that. Y'all laugh too much. Y'all know, we know your ways. We know your ways, but, but you're looking down and everybody's so stuck right here that the Bible says that Peter and John said, yo, look up. I want you to look not, don't look up at Chino. Don't look up at greater church. Look up at Jesus. Look up at the purpose that he has available for you, that he is not bound by what somebody is saying. He's not bound by a political party. He's not bound by what the structures of this kingdom or this world looks like that Jesus is God. He can do whatever he wants to do. He's sovereign. He's strong enough to be able to bypass all of your systems. But when we call the world to look up, things start to change. Because if I'm looking at my problems, 
My problems begin to look big, right? Oh my God, but I can't because I got a background. I can't because I messed up. I can't because I had that abortion. I can't because I did this. I can't because I voted for this person. I can't because my skin color is this way. And we keep our eyes focused on the problem. And all of a sudden, the more we start looking at the problem, the more that the problem starts getting bigger. And in our eyes, the problem starts getting bigger. And before you know it, you're barely able to see. Because the problem is still the same size. It's small, but yet the closer that you bring it, the more that you focus on it, the more that it starts blocking you. And if you start looking at it, what Peter and John was saying was that I want you to look up because this is what happens. The moment that you look up, the moment that you put Jesus, the moment that you put the word of God in front of you, all of a sudden now, the word of God is big. Jesus is big. Now all of a sudden, it's bigger than my problems. I, if I focus on Jesus, I can't see my problems anymore. I don't care what angle I take. I can't see it because I know that God is real and before long the more I look at Jesus the more that he takes care of my situation the more that he provides the more that he's still Jehovah Rapha my healer the more that he's still Jehovah Sidkenu my banner in victory that in the midst of a fight I know that God is still with me but I got my eyes on him look up look up I know it's bad man I'm not minimizing your issues I don't know what your bank account looks like. I don't know what your marital relationship looks like. I'm not minimizing any of those things. But what I'm asking you is to look up. The moment that you look up, you're at the perfect place for a miracle. The Bible says that this man, this lame man, we don't even get his name. He's labeled by his issue. The Bible says that he looks up intently as though to receive something from Peter and John. And Peter and John, when they look down at him, they speak up. And they say, silver and gold, I don't have. I don't have the temporary. I have the eternal. But what I do have, I give to you. Get up and walk. Two things that strike me, I mean, super, super weird, is that number one, last week we talked about what's inside of you. Do you still, do you still see it in the scripture? What's inside of him, what I do have, is the power of the Holy Spirit. It's that Jesus told them in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, I want you to go and I'm going to empower you and you will be my witnesses. Can I tell you that the gifts of the Spirit are not meant just to start your own ministry. They're not, start to, they're not so you can start your LLC, so that you can go around and be the evangelist, prophet, apostle. These gifts are given so that you can be a witness, so that a man or a woman will come to know Jesus. Because if somebody's head falls off of their body, and you put it back in through the gift, the working of miracles, and that person is healed, that person is still going to die. But if that person dies without Jesus, and I'll be a bad preacher not to tell you this, they're going to hell. Hell is a real place that was never created for you. It was created for the devil and his angels according to scripture. It was never made for you. But if we continue to walk going our own way, walking our own way, and we don't repent 180 and turn back to God, if we continue to walk, what we're doing is that God is not sending you to hell. You are walking there. And if you don't have Jesus in your life, if you're not, if you as a man or a woman of God, if you're not telling people this, if you're not explaining and preaching the gospel to people, people are going to find their way to a devil's hell. My hope my desire is that you would understand that there's a way out that the gifts are real please man i believe in them i've experienced them I, i've taught on the gifts of the spirit we took 12 weeks in this church to teach on the gifts how many of y'all were here when we did the gifts of the spirit how many of y'all were not here and wish that we y'all want to learn about the gifts of the spirit uh, oh we're gonna do this say less <laughs> say less oh we're gonna go back to it <laughs> that's easy i got the messages already <laughs> but the bible says that Peter and John, they look at him and said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, what's inside of me, this thing that's inside of me, I'm going to give to you. I'm going to pull it out of me. I'm going I'm to give it to you. Get up and walk. Second thing that strikes me super weird is that this man, you told this man to do something that he's never done before in his life. 
What do you mean get up and walk? You haven't heard my story, bro? I've been, I've been lame since birth. I don't know how to do that. What happens is that we get so afraid of telling people about Jesus sometimes. We get so afraid sometimes of telling people uh, about the gospel and sharing and evangelizing because nine times out of ten, we feel like we're inadequate. That's the first part. We always focus on us, but we forget that there's something inside of us, right? But that's the first thing. We're focused on us. But then we feel like they're not going to get it. Of course they're not going to get it. It's the same way you didn't get it. But you know what they did? I want you to pull up, pull up the scripture for me one more time. I want you to see something. To the part where he says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. And the Bible says, silver and gold I do not have. Right there in the middle. Y'all see it? Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Here it is. You ready? Here it is. You ready? Leron, watch this. And he took him by his right hand and he lifted him up. This is the part that we miss. The part that it's easy for me to preach a message, ask you to raise your hand to give your life to Jesus. Why do we have next step? Why are me and my wife going to go in there, eat public subs with you? Because we want to do this with you. Because we want to walk along the journey with you. Because life is not for you to be living alone. Because what happens is that on a Sunday morning, you'll hear a message and you'll get up and you'll be excited. You'll come to an altar. It'll be the best time that you ever had. And if you're not watching me online, God bless you. I love you. Come to church. But, it, but this is fun, right? It's easy. But Monday, you got to go live your life. And what the hope and the desire is that this thing right here, that we do it together. That on Monday, we're having conversations. That on Tuesday, we're walking through life together. That on Wednesday, we're coming to G groups and we're hanging out together. We're learning about stuff, right? Then we're talking about stuff that like you don't talk to anybody else about. But as men, we're having a conversation about these things. And it's important that we get our hands dirty and that we get involved in people's lives. It's important that as Christian believers, that we're not just lip service, but that we're walking the journey out with people because discipleship is the only thing that Jesus told us to do. Discipleship is the only thing that Jesus told us to. Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make Twitter followers. Go out there and make TikTok followers. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. All nations looked like a black person reaching a white person. Looks like a white person reaching a Mexican person. All nations means that we do this thing together. That this is a kingdom thing. That we're all about the kingdom. Not what the world is saying. Not the way they want us to look like. But the way that the kingdom looks like. That's why I love this church. Do me a favor. Stop looking at me for a second. Look around the room for just a moment. Look around the room for just a moment. You, you, got, you, you can do it. Look. Look around the room. This is what I love about our church, that our church is diverse. And our church isn't all white people sitting on one side and all black people sitting on the other side and the Mexicans and the Hispanics sitting in the back. You know that there's more than Mexicans and Hispanics, right? We're Cuban, Puerto Rican, Dominican. You know there's a lot more of us. I'm not just, I'm not Mexican. I'm Cuban. I know a black Cuban. Oh my God, I've never seen one of those things. It's real. But, you know, but listen to me. This is, this is because we're the kingdom of God. This is what it looks like for me and you to be kingdom people, not to be affected by what the world is telling us this can't happen. The world is telling us that you can't be there because you hate me and I hate you. No, we're kingdom people, man. We're trying to reach after the broken and the lost, and we're trying to help them to find Jesus, the Jesus that's inside of us, the strength, the power that God has given us. And the Bible says that he took him by the hand. That's what I want to grab people by the hand, and I want to lift them up. And the Bible says that all of a sudden he got up. And then he started to walk. Bring that scripture up again because y'all think I'm lying. Bring it, bring it up. Bring it. Watch this. Watch this. 
silver and gold I do not have resin. And he took him by the right hand and he lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones, I love how descriptive the Bible is, received strength. Go to the next one. Immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered. He went to church, y'all. He went with them walking, leaping, and praising God. I'm not a medical type of person. Uh, I got my GED in prison. Jason, I, I, I got a bachelor's degree in BS. I got a BS in BS. Y'all are so bad. It's a bachelor of science, bachelor's of arts. I got a BA and BS. BS is biblical studies, not... <laughs> You guys are so secular. Oh, my God. I rebuke you. <laughs> I've never, I never been to medical school. Olivia, you been to medical school? I, I've never, you been to medical school? Yeah, me either. I've never been to medical school. But I think, <laughs> I don't know, maybe I watch YouTube videos too much. I think if a person is hurt, <laughs> lame, has never done something before, then there should be some type of therapy. Or some type of steps. Jason Hodges, who was a pastor here, he, he, he broke his Achilles. It's called Oditis. Oditis. He, he was playing basketball. He went to dunk. And when he went to dunk, he just heard pop. And he couldn't dunk. See, I, I made you look good. And then, and then it popped. He had to go to therapy. And then it was months. If any of you ever had an Achilles injury, then you understand it went through months of therapy. And he, he had to take steps. First, it was like he was rolling around with a scooter. Y'all remember when he had the scooter? And then after the scooter, then he had a boot. And you see him walking. He was like carrying boxes because we were working at the same place at the time doing deliveries. And he's walking with boxes with the boot on. And then he took the boot off and was able to apply 25 pounds of pressure, then 75. There were steps. There is going to be a time, and I believe that that time is now. We're shifting into a place where if you look at world news, if you look at all the stuff that's happening with China and Taiwan, if you look at everything that's happening overseas, even if you look at the stuff that's happening right here, 63% of people who are right here in Cherokee County, they do not affiliate or believe in any type of religion. They don't believe in Christianity, Catholic, they don't believe in anything. If you look at world news, we're in a space right now where we are the most broken, we are the most hurting, defragmentized. Everybody is using this word of, of, of deconstruction their faith you never have faith to deconstruct but you're deconstructing something whatever and they're deconstructing their faith these things are, and listen I'm not I'm not making fun of you if you're on that journey speak to us let's construct something that's real that's what we're built for to, de to construct something that's real but if you look at our world right now yo we're in some pretty bad shape there are wars and rumors of wars there are plagues. I mean, if you go back and you look at Matthew chapter 23, we probably fill every single one of those boxes. Every single thing right now, if you look at the world, there's coming a time where God has been a perfect gentleman. We've kicked them out of our schools. We've kicked them out of our relationships. We've kicked them out of our marriages. We've kicked them out of our own identities. We've put God in a side to a certain degree that God, as a perfect gentleman, he will not bypass. He will not rush in unless you invite him. But I believe that we're stepping into a season, and I'm watching it with my own two eyes, where God is no longer this perfect gentleman. God has a mission and an assignment that he's trying to get 
accomplished. And there are people that are stepping into it and they're bypassing the steps of the church. They're not coming to the front and giving their life to the Lord, but God is finding them in a prison cell. They're sitting there and they're finding Jesus in a crack house. They're finding Jesus on a corner. They're giving their life to the Lord. They're not going through seminary. They're bypassing the steps and God is starting to use them to win more people for Jesus than the actual church because God is tired of being a gentleman excited about the church with your little fancy lights with your nice smokes with your great uh, with your nice little jackets from H&M and God is to a place where he's like I got a job to do I got people that are broken that are lost that are on their way to a devil's hell and if you're not gonna do it then I need to get somebody that will do it and God is starting to bypass some steps I'm starting to watch some people that didn't go through ministry school I'm starting to watch people even in our church that God is bringing up because God has an assignment on them and we're like yo how did you get up so fast because there's a favor there's something inside of them that God is starting to bypass some steps when people get desperate they bypass steps y'all remember when we were in school they taught us about the fire drill and you had to get up everybody in line all right everybody go all right we're gonna turn this way we're gonna go out the door and then you remember you went to the parking lot I used to love fire drills because fire drills is like I was gonna cut up <laughs> I was the one that the teacher was like Ramses that's my real name Ramses some of y'all like what you liar <laughs> I would walk and and you know these are the steps have you ever been in a fire but you're not walking behind nobody you're not taking no you're throwing stuff out the window you're trying to run grab your kid by the hair girl grab my wig you just move go fast you're trying to move fast because you bypass steps because when there's desperation in art, when there's real time sensitive issues, you bypass every one of the steps. And I believe that the kingdom of God is in a place where we're bypassing a bunch of the steps. Stop thinking you can't do something because you haven't done what everybody else has done when in reality what God is trying to do something is inside of you. What I don't have, I can't give you silver and gold, but what I do have, the power of the Holy Spirit, if we take our eyes and we put them on ourselves, of course you're going to atkinizo yourself and see, yo, I'm too broken. I've made too many mistakes. I've hurt too many people. I've made so many bad decisions in my life. If you keep looking at yourself, of course you're not going to be able to accomplish nothing. But when you take your eyes off of yourself and you put your eyes up and you understand that there's a God that's living inside of you that resurrected Jesus from the dead after three days, that that very same God is the one that lives inside of you. He gives you the power to live. He gives you the power to move and to operate when you understand that man all hell starts to shake because you get up in the morning And you put one foot on the ground and the devil says oh dang it This man woke up this woman woke up. She's about to declare hell on me I need to make sure that I kill him. I need to do something, but you're still standing You're still alive the message from last week for you to understand that God has built you in such a way that you can bear these things that God has given you the specs, the strength, the foundation to be able to carry these things. It surprises the enemy, it surprises you, but it's because you got an assignment. The Bible says it, and I'm going to wrap it up, I've been screaming too much. The Bible says that he, he lifts him up, and the man gets up, and immediately, no steps, no therapy. I remember, Jason, that make you go down and up left and right okay hold on you got to go to next steps first no no you got to fill out this connect card you know it's no no wait wait you have to come to bible study you got to learn how to pray come on let's read matthew together no 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 hold on you can't do all that no you can't go out there and evangelize in the in the, in the trailer parks you can't do that you have to go through through, through our steps in bible college let's let's teach you first you know what i mean come on let's open up your bible you can use the table of context it's fine we're not going to judge you 
The Bible says that he bypassed all the steps and, and his legs were strengthened. And then it said, and then they went to church. And then when they went to church, the Bible says that everybody in the church was in awe, wonder, and amazement because they knew him. That's the, that's the, that's the, that's my cousin. That's the high school dropout. That's the single mom. Oh, well, that's the guy that broke up and cheated. That's the guy that did this. That's the guy. Oh, I know her. And wonder and amazement because of what God did in them. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. They looked up and they saw him. Bible says that immediately after that, verse 11, that as soon as this man, they went to church and they did their akuna matata, you know, oh, praise the Lord, oh, everybody was so excited, oh my God, look at what happened. It says that all of a sudden, remember what I told you? Imagine there's a porch it's not a porch the way that we call it a porch but imagine these columns right so imagine like a column the size of these stairs right here like big columns and it's about 20 feet in the air and then imagine that there's a line there's just lines of them all the way across so inside of them you probably have i don't know the size of this church the size of this church you have all the columns that are there in the front and then everybody after service they go into it's called solomon's porch and they go to Solomon's porch and it's about this big and, and, they, and it's still there today. You can actually see it. That's the reason I'm telling you. I should have brought a picture up. But you, you sit there and then they talk. And people were starting to see him. And they were like, yo, who is this? Who is this guy? This is the guy. And the rumors started. And it was no longer a prayer service. Remember, they were going to church for prayer. It was no longer a prayer service. Now they were looking at the guy in wonder and amazement. Wonder and amazement gets real old real fast. Y'all remember when we watched Karate Kid and everybody in the neighborhood threw their leg up? It didn't last long. Remember you thought you were Rocky? Ladies, remember you thought you were Bionic Woman? Wonder Woman? So now you're She-Hulk? <laughs> wonder and amazement doesn't last long. So what did Peter do? The Bible says, I want you to see this. Acts chapter 3 verse 11 through 12. It says, now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter. Jordan, come here, Jordan, come here. Come here. Come on stage. Come on stage. Hold on to me. Don't be weird. Come here. Hold. Come here. Hold me. But don't be like weird. <laughs> it says, Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to meet them in the porch, which is called Solomon, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people. Men and women of greater church, why do you marvel at this? Or why you look so intently at Peniso, at us? As though by our own power or godliness, we have made this man walk. 
that we have heard Jordan's story of moments that he thought about committing suicide. We've heard of moments where he wanted to do it his own way, but yet the Bible says that he's clung to Jesus. And all of a sudden now his story is starting to speak. And people are gathering with wonder and amazement because of the story that God has put inside of him. But yo, it wasn't Greater Church. It wasn't Chino. You've been trekking with us for how long now? Six years, right? When we were in the school. We were like the old creepy people at KSU Taylor, like trying to evangelize the people. And then uh, Josh invited him to church, came into church. We haven't been able to shake him ever since. He's, he's a part of us. But what happens is that we use his story to tell. We've recorded his story. We put it, you remember when we recorded the story, put it on video? You were like an actor. <laughs> we, shout out to Don. <laughs> we, we're, using, we're using the story because the story counts and the story matters do you know that you can walk into a space and that you can use your story I remember when my mom and dad got a divorce I remember how dark it was I thought it was my fault and you can bring this into another relationship and say I thought I was gonna be just like my dad but what God did in me was that he began to show me that there's so much more inside of me and I thought that I was going to commit suicide the very same way that she commits suicide and there are moments in my life that it's been so dark but I found Jesus there were moments in my life where I was a gang member and I was trying to fight with anything that moved and I had gold teeth in my mouth and my hair was super long and treaded up and I thought I was everything that I saw in the rap video and God found me in a prison cell and he rescued me and he ravaged me in such a way that five months after being in there with weed probably still in my system I started to preach in that Bible study then I started a Spanish Bible study then I started another Bible study then I had some of the biggest drug dealers on the compound crying on my chest because they wanted to know about Jesus and I'm bringing my story everywhere I go I want people to see my story because there's power in my story because my story is the one that shows the power of God don't look intently at me I'm messed up if you look intently at me you're gonna see the errors you're gonna see the mess ups but got Jesus in me this shows my story come on y'all make some noise for Jordan as if it was our own power or godliness that made this man walk no it was Jesus when you bring your story when you allow for your story to count I want you to see something pull up Acts chapter 4 Acts chapter 4 verse 4 look at the results look at the results of when you stick to your story however oh by the way he's preached this message he's done an incredible job all of a sudden the religious leaders the church down the street I can't believe you let a new converts preach can't you I can't believe that you let somebody that hasn't gone to seminary school to start teaching in that school I can't believe that you took a youth pastor and the guy hasn't been in church for about three weeks I don't understand how you did that I, and once the church starts murmuring and the disaster happens all of a sudden now they arrest Peter and Paul can I tell you that there are ministries and I hope to God that there's a pastor right now that's watching online maybe you're watching this message later I know that people have arrested you and they've marginalized you and told you that you're not allowed to do what you're doing and the miracle 
miracles that you're watching in your church do not allow anybody else outside of it the miracles that are happening in your marriage do not allow anybody outside say you're not supposed to be doing that you don't have the pedigree to do that you know your past you know the mistakes that you made you know that that's going to end soon there are people that are going to walk you right to the gate of beautiful and they're not going to let you go into that church but can i tell you that there's a god that is bypassing steps in your life there is a god that's going to allow you to see the miracles that you're believing for there's god that's going to provide the resources for you to build that orphanage there's people in your life that god is going to use to be able to give you the finances to be able to do everything that you can do and when people are sitting there talking about and marginalizing you you're going to watch the results however many who heard the word believed and the number of men not just women and children just men came out to five thousand there were five thousand individuals oh my god i gotta wrap this up there were five thousand individuals that at that moment they closed their eyes they gave their life to jesus they had a conversation with jesus god i need you I saw the way that you saved him. I saw the way that you did it for them. I saw how you used her. I saw how you used him. I saw how you rescued him. I saw how you did that. Father, I pray that you would do the same thing for me. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 verse 9 that if you confess with your mouth prayer and you believe in your heart, faith, that you shall be saved. That it's not by works, according to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 9, 8 and 9. You, you, it's not by faith. There's nothing you can do to receive salvation. Salvation comes to you because you believe because it's faith it's the easy part this is the part that God does it's easy but it's not free because Jesus had to pay through it through his blood through his sacrifice the beating the cross being in hell for three days and then the resurrection power was able to afford you salvation so it wasn't free it, it cost a lot but it's free for us to receive this happened with over 5,000 people with a guy who just a few weeks earlier told Jesus I'll never forsake you he even cut somebody's ear off that was trying to arrest Jesus Peter was ratchet I love Peter he cut somebody's ear off but yet when he was standing in front of people who told him do you know Jesus he said no I don't know him. to the point that he denied Jesus three different times he denied him when Jesus told him I don't want you in that relationship he denied him when Jesus told him I don't want you to take that job he denied him when he told him, Jesus, I, I don't want you to go there. I don't want you to do that. I wonder if we've ever denied Jesus. I wonder how many times we've denied Jesus. But yet the Bible says that this broken, hurting, messed up individual, because of what was inside of him, he stuck to his story. 5,000 people got saved. Oh, did I mention that if you look at Acts chapter 3, right before he went, y'all remember this? Right before he went into the temple and he found the lame man, 3,000 people had just gotten saved. Look at the ministry of this individual who ain't got no business ministry. You don't have any business ministering, but God will bypass steps. You don't have no ministry. You don't have no business teaching about the gospel. You don't have no business doing any of these things. But God will bypass the steps. And all he's looking for is just an obedient heart. Would you do me a favor and would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a second? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. We hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If 
God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us 